0: This is the Team Church Podcast with Kevin Gerald, where we exist to move church forward and have the conversations that every team needs to be having.
1: Happy New Year, Team Church, and welcome back to the Team Church Podcast with Kevin Gerald. Uh, my name is Brandon Stewart, and I'll be your host today. Uh, we are so excited and honored to have you here today for a conversation that we believe every team needs to be having. And and today's conversation is a vital one for the climate in which we are all leading as we enter 2021. Uh, Today, we're going to continue our conversation on biblical unity with Monique Dussant. Now, I want to pause right there and say that if you haven't listened to part one, uh, you need to stop this episode and go pick up on part one, because in part one, we lay some groundwork and some framework that we're going to be building on today in our conversation. You're going to hear Pastor Kevin continue to uh, interview Monique, and uh, today's conversation is going to get a bit more practical in nature. We hope today we'll give you some language and some handles on a really vital, important topic and so uh, without further ado here is our conversation today with pastor kevin and monique dusan on biblical unity let's go
0: so what what would you say to those of us today whether we're pastors or just on on church teams and uh we've seen the strife i mean we've experienced it and what would you say to us in terms of we want to promote you, we want to promote unity and not division. And what, what are some wins that we could put into place? um, Or maybe you've seen in churches or communities that have done this successfully. Is there anything you could guide us in, in terms of how to, to build, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about one of my, one of the podcasts that you, I like that you had had to do with the book, be a bridge builder. Um, uh, be the bridge, be the bridge, be the bridge. And and basically you were given a review on that book and you were taking off, you kind of take stuff apart uh, from a biblical perspective, which is one of the things I love to hear you do. What would you, what would you say to us? Um, because we're wanting to stand up for, and we feel like right now being, being quiet, is creating peace but i think you're telling us a little something different what can we do to be creating more unity and moving against the strife and division in our church and community get in the conversation with the holy spirit see what he tells you to do that's one that you got to
2: start there because i don't want nobody being like what well, monique said the devil is a lie no you need to get in conversation with the lord and figure out what he tells you to do that's first Um, secondly, keep the first things first. C.S. Lewis has a quote and I believe it's called his first things quote. And so the, the premise of this first things quote is that when you keep the first things first, you'll get the second things thrown in. So you keep the scripture and historic Christianity first, you'll get unity, diversity, all these other things thrown in. But when you decide that diversity is your number one goal, you're going to lose the first thing. Mm -hmm. We can't exchange One and two, we, number one has to be number one at all times, at all costs. I honestly have seen within the Center for Biblical Unity, as we have kept scripture, scripture, and praise God that Krista's a theologian because she does keep it historically biblical. The Center for Biblical Unity is one big family and we have everybody there, but you have to keep the first things first. And as soon as I change and decide I want to have the second thing first, it. I, I don't have any doubt that it, it's not going to work. Yep. So um, one, get in the conversation with the Lord. Two, keep the first things first. Three, define your terms. How are you defining unity? How are you defining inclusivity? If that's a word that you're using, it's not a word I personally use. How are you defining justice? Or are you using the term social justice? What What is your What is your vision for ethnic or racial unity? And why is it, you know, get some, get some deeper conversations going. It's it's really cool right now to say, well, we want to do racial reconciliation. To me, that's made up, but that's a whole nother interview. Uh, Or, you know, we want to have a multi-ethnic, multicultural church. Well, why? The body is multi-ethnic and multicultural. The surrounding community you're in within 10 miles is all white. (laughs) So, you know, like, what, what's your motivation? What are Definitely. you, define some things, put some things yeah. on paper. How are you going to actually do this so that you're not just spinning your wheels? Is there a way that you can keep your church the way it is? Because honestly, there's nothing wrong with your church. It would be better if you just kept your church the way it is and you teach your people truth so that they can walk in personal righteousness. Yeah. And then maybe you partner with a ministry that's 15, 20 miles away that really needs help in entrepreneurial endeavors or um, after school programs or justice ministries. Good. Like I, I, what we do right now is we're saying we have to basically obey the culture. Yeah. We have people right now saying that the white church needs to lament, repent. And again, that, that white church, Krista hates that. But this is what, these are the terms that we're using. The white yep. church needs to do all of these things. And people who are, who are putting forth this mandate onto the white church are progressive Christians or usually not in church at all.
0: Hmm. Wow.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Or they uphold critical race theory.
0: Right. So,
2: you know, it, at some point we're just going to have to plant our feet and be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. I'm going to hold to this line. And I'm going to trust God as I hold to it.
0: What What would you say is the big difference between social justice and biblical justice? What, what makes Maybe them different?
2: Social justice. So social justice has a lot of other pieces. Justice is only social because it involves people. So when when we look at the word, to me, the word should always be justice now when we look at our modern context of social justice it includes you know standing out for the marginalized that's awesome i am all i'm a marginalized kind of girl I'm, i'm a stand up for the marginalized kind of person yet how are you defining marginalized how are you defining oppressed social justice today conflates all of these biblical terms and then invites other groups in. So right now you're, you you want to stand up for, you know, the marginalized group. Let's say it's a biblical, a biblical thing you want to stand up for. You want to stand up for the widows and the orphans. Awesome. That's amazing. But you're doing it under the social justice format that is also thrown in LGBTQ. So now my, my work in standing up for the the orphan and marginalized automatically drifts in to standing up for the lgbtq it's all part of the the same train ibram kendi states this beautifully in his book you know uh, how to be an anti-racist to be an anti-racist means to stand up for all the groups you Mm. can't stand up for this group and not stand up for that group because if you don't stand up for this group then you're racist
0: wow Wow. Which creates a, a real challenge um, for pastors and church leaders and and all of that. Um, so is it okay for, for us? I think you're giving us permission. And I, I I know how I feel about this, but is it okay, in other words, to just help pastors, specifically white pastors, but I think all pastors could just hear this, that to, to speak to everyone the same, and to lead everyone the same, and lead everyone to be merciful, compassionate, kind, and loving, and to overcome biases that we all maybe naturally have, but to teach basically a gospel that is all-inclusive um, versus feeling like we have to um, you know, cater to one or, or go toward this other group or we're not going to be caring about them. There, in other words, there, there's a lot of unknowns right now. And I, I'm wondering, you know, the gospel hasn't changed, Monique. There's, there's nothing about the gospel that is any different now than it was in the days of Jesus. And I use a phrase called kingdomology, I just did the longest series I've ever done, 10 weeks to date on, on, uh, uh, on the kingdom and come come your kingdom, just basically that one line out of Jesus' prayer. And to me, that that creates some of what I feel like has been a real direction for me personally to take is that let's draw this circle big and let's continue to be inclusive, versus what I'm being told is, well, you know, the marginalized people, the, 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 the white people, you, you are white privilege, you know, all the different things that I know have an element of truth, but as pastors, as church leaders, aren't we just supposed to, to see people as all loved by God, cared about by God, and try to, as pastors, convey the gospel on that basis?
2: Yes. So in in Ephesians, we are all, like we find that everything aside from our identity in Christ becomes secondary. So to me, I don't have to address white pastors. To me, I don't have to address black pastors. I'm gonna address pastors. I'm gonna address the shepherds of the flock. Hmm. And in doing that, I believe that the message is still the same. We we have a message to those who are sitting in our pews. We have a responsibility to those who are sitting in our pews. And, and again, I say we and are not throwing myself uh, you know, under the, the umbrella of being a pastor, but I do have a voice yeah. and there is a responsibility to those who are our Christ followers, those who are my brothers and sisters through the blood of Jesus. And so with that, the call is to speak preach the gospel. Now, yeah. in preaching the gospel, I will also preach personal righteousness. I will mm-hmm. also preach to love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so this is it it's not a it's not a, you know, I'm just going to preach the gospel and live in my silo. And mm-hmm. you know, the world can just do what they do and you know, if if there's If there is legislation or something that's happening to a a certain people group, then, oh, well, because it's just my responsibility to preach the gospel. No, Mm. we have a a responsibility to preach the gospel. And in preaching the gospel, we preach personal righteousness. Mm. You know, when when Jesus said the greatest commandment was to, to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So there's a, there's personal righteousness. And we find that when we do go back and look in the law, when we look at, you know, how should we be working and dealing with one another, what that word righteousness actually means Mm -hmm. and and how do we participate with one another in a covenant relationship? Mm -hmm. But these are the things that need to be taught from the pulpit. It's not just, it's not just, you know, Jesus because right. if that is the if it's just a a, a Jesus thing, like I'm only really going to preach Jesus, well, right. it it still falls short. Your message falls short if you are not including the personal righteousness. Oh, good. That's that's that that there's still you're not preaching all of Jesus.
0: Right. The and operation. So,
2: yeah. So we need to make sure that. You know, we are talking about the issues that impact those who are sitting directly in the pew next to you. And it doesn't matter what their color is. Right. These are the issues that are impacting people. White men are having a higher rate of suicide right now. What what's that about? Can we talk about that in church? Mm-hmm. We need to, because I'm sure there's a white man in my church, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. Like things that are that are impacting um, people of color and and. High or communities that have high rates of people of color. There is a uh, like a check cashing stand or a, like a Nick's check cashing almost on every corner. They taking twenty percent of your check to cash your check. To me, that's the issue. That that's a, in new. You're wondering about poverty. Like we can speak into these issues and we should have a voice in these issues because of, that's of the, righteousness.
0: That's one of the things that I I wanted to talk to you about today, but that's another time. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about. Uh, just the approach to poverty um, as well, and that's a different topic, I know, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's one and the same in the sense that, that I feel like when I talk with people like you about race and all the people that are listening today, it feels to me like we all have a common goal. We just have a different way of getting there. And we have different different ideas, I should say, of getting there. And what we're trying to do is with this audience specifically, we're trying to uh, elevate the Bible, elevate scripture, elevate God's way of doing things. And so, you know, and in, in the racial strife, in other words, I feel like most of us really do want to see the strife behind us. We want to see Um, unified church. We want to see a church that's in love, loving our neighbors ourselves. But how we do that or how we approach that, it's different than the world. And it can't be the world's way of doing it. And I feel like the same way oftentimes with, with the topic of welfare and what do we do with people in need and how we help best people who are in need. Because I think some of the world's solutions same thing. It is not the answer to how we approach these things as a church, but you want to, I'll let you have a couple minutes. If you want to say it a little bit, I want to cut you right off, but that I wanted to talk more about that and hopefully we can.
2: Oh, it, it definitely is a, a, a longer conversation, but I would say that it, it does take a church with a vision, you know, and I get, I get that, that phraseology from Krista. it, it it takes a church with a vision, with a prophetic vision for what an area could be. You know, when we're given in scripture, you know, the the wording to like speak out on behalf of of the poor and the marginalized and all these things. Like when we when we look at the poor and what are some of the things that are impacting them, you know, how can how can a church community step into that with a prophetic voice and say, you know what? this here, this isn't going to work. <laughs> this is never going to get you where you say you want to be. Now, everybody who says they want to go, don't really want to go. Like That's just part of part of the deal. I've worked in social service for almost 20 years. That is the deal. But there is a good number of people who get stuck, who don't see the way out, who are in more of just the rhythm of just trying to maintain themselves. There's a lot of depression in in, in communities with high poverty and things like that. So- when a church can come and walk alongside a community or walk alongside a family and offer mentorship, that is is a way to elevate, you know, a community or a family out of those things. When you say don't don't go to Nick's and and cash your check, you know, and then you ask questions. Well, why aren't there any banks in this community? Mm-hmm. How how can we keep them away from the check cashing service that's taking twenty percent of their check and either a get them to a bank or get a vision. To come in here and help cash checks and do so at the very minimal cost possible to the people that we want to serve. It, you know, homework. Like in a, in some communities I know, growing up, um, I had I had sisters who were a lot younger than me, and I had to help my mom with that. There were times when you know there was a lot going on in my house, and I didn't have when I when I was younger, I didn't have a place to go. And so the church being able to offer a space where kids can go and do homework, yeah, these are just different little things. How can you mentor a single mom? You know, I would look at a child who's the product of a single mom and I'd say, like, you know, it, d- does he fall in the category of orphan because he only got one parent? Is this a ministry that we can begin to, to work with young kids on? But we need, to have, we need to have bigger visions. We need to start thinking outside of the bubble that we've been sitting in within a lot of our church spaces for, you know, the last 30, 40 years.
0: So, Monique, what would you suggest for pastors and church leaders, something they could do, you know, walking away from this conversation today?
2: So I have three things. Um, one, I would say preach the word. Don't You don't have to finagle it to fit anything. You don't have to make it conform. The word will stand and it will be our foundation. That's the first thing. Two, I'd say exegete your community. You know, exegete the, the, what, what's happening within your own church body. You know, who are, the, who are the people who are a little, you know, more leaning toward critical race theory? Who are those who think that racism doesn't exist at all? And speak into that. So that we can start to lead people in truth and bring them more closer to a a middle, you know, so that we can, again, be on a a right path. And then three, I would say, stop trying to do and let's just be, be the body. When we are always trying to do racial reconciliation, we are always trying to do um, racial unity and all of those things. It really becomes exhausting, and it, it can wear people down. If we can move into a space of, I am going to be, I'm, this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be, I'm going to live in my, my stand of personal righteousness. I am going to be someone who is loving, who is kind, who is patient, who does not rush to judgment. Be instead of always focusing on the do. I think those those are the first three steps that I would say, you know, if we can can start this process, it'll open up space for bigger conversations.
0: Very good, very good. You know, something that you said uh, earlier before we were actually, uh, we were talking before we were talking, and you mentioned something to me about pastors today realizing that there are young people and young adults that are, you know, walking away from the church. And I think what you were saying is pastors need to be a little stronger or uh, speak, speak to that. Uh, Could you, could you elaborate on that?
2: Again, uh, my heart does go, go out to pastors because there is a lot of pressure It's speak and, you know, build and, you know, do all these things. It, and it's so important, though, you know, and this is why, again, it's important that pastors especially are are in conversation with the Holy Spirit and, and, and in the word, because young people especially are being siphoned off into the realm of critical theory and, or critical social theories, critical race theory and social justice usually because they have a heart to, you know, a heart for justice. It's not that they just want to, you know, say whatever with the church or anything like that. They actually have deep hearts for people. Mm. And what what social justice, especially Christian social justice warriors or more progressive Christians will do is say, well, you know, you can you can do justice over here, And what that looks like though, is this inclusion of all these other things. And so many young people, especially like during their college time are led astray into progressive Christianity Or they say, well, my church isn't talking about this at all. They must not care. And so then they begin to walk away from the faith because, well, maybe Jesus doesn't care about these issues. If I can sit in church for 18 years and not hear anyone talk about racism or um, the poor or anything like that, maybe Jesus doesn't care. I care. And so I'm going to step away and do this. Wow. So yes I, I do believe that pastors should be speaking especially to young people about these issues. Parents don't know how to navigate these things when your kid who is now being indoctrinated in you know the youngest grades of school into thinking that it's okay for you know there to be two mommies or two daddies or that all people of color are marginalized and oppressed. How do we have that conversation with my kid of well look this is what scripture says. Pastors need to speak into that space. Leaders need to speak into that space of, you know, in, in my parents' ministry, this is what we're addressing today. This conversation, how do I have this conversation with my nine-year-old or how do I have this conversation with my, you know, college sophomore who is now thinking that she needs to pay, you know, reparations. Mm. So I think that, that, we are at a pivotal time within church history for pastors and leaders and to speak into these very, very nuanced issues because people are being plucked out of, of the church left and right from what I'm seeing,
0: and, and that is so good. And also, maybe some people don't, don't know this, but doesn't critical theory start uh, in our elementary schools, I mean, isn't that pr- pretty much integrated into the education system? And then it gets really loud—the volume does—in our universities.
2: Yes, yeah, you you see you see pieces of it, bits and pieces of it, especially in teacher trainings. How do how how do teachers do equity? What does that look like? I think that it's embedded within certain curriculum and things like that. And then by the time you get into university. Christian or secular, you cannot say I'm a send my kid to a Christian school and they are going to miss this. This Mm. is everywhere.
0: Wow. So good. Well, we got to wrap this up and man, it's been good today uh, to, to be with you. I'd like you, if you would to tell everyone how they can uh, connect with you online uh, and, you know, just find you uh, today. Could you do that?
2: Yes, you can find us at our website, centerforbiblicalunity.com, or you can find us on Facebook at the Center for Biblical Unity, and on Twitter at biblical underscore unity. We're on Instagram at the Center for Biblical Unity, and I believe that's all the places.
0: I can't believe how fast this time went by.
2: It really did. <laughs>
1: I had, I had
0: other things that, that, but again, hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to talk uh, again in the future. And you thank you for doing you. what you do. Thank you for doing what you do, and thank you keeping keeping this conversation and conversations like it going. Thanks so much. Appreciate it so much. Have a great day, Monique. You too. Bye bye. Bye.
1: Well, Team Church, I think you can agree that this has been a vital conversation for all of us leading in today's climate. I hope this has helped you and your team. Uh, As always, however, you're listening to this today or watching this today, hit the subscribe button and uh, plan to be a part of the conversation every single month on the first Tuesday of the month with new episodes. I also want to encourage you today to leave us a rating or a comment, however, you're uh, taking in this podcast today, or share it with a friend. And let us know if there's any way that we can be helping you with another crucial conversation for your team. So Team Church, we love you. Hey, we are believing that 2021 is going to be a year of God's favor and God's blessing, and even in some ways, a comeback uh, for all of our churches as we enter into a new season. So we love you. We're standing with you. God bless you, Team Church. Here's to a great year.
0: This has been the Team Church Podcast with Kevin Gerald. For more information on conferences and events, check out teamchurchconference.com.